The views and opinions expressed on the following program are not necessarily that of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Is your love free? Is it total? Fruitful? Faithful? Or perhaps do you say to your spouse, I accept and love all of you, except that part, that whole fertility part. This is a production of the Archdiocese of Baltimore to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Humane Vitae. Glory to God in the highest. In this edition, we are joined by Molly Daly. Her organization, Body Language, promotes fertility awareness and natural family planning. Molly received her bachelor's degree in religious studies in Arabic from the College of William and Mary and holds a Juris Doctor from the University of Maryland School of Law. We're living in an exciting time. The research on natural fertility science is booming and the results are undeniable. Natural family planning is not only effective for both avoiding and achieving pregnancy, but also good for our bodies, good for our families, and good for our planet. Natural family planning is a beautiful way to open the culture of life. It's our map for navigating responsible parenthood in a culture of planned parenthood. As we'll explore, NFP touches just about every aspect of an individual's life. I have seen NFP strengthen relationships, heal all kinds of heartache, and restore positive body image. These incredible connections are not coincidences. Thinking about your body in a holistic way heals your entire person, body and soul. And yet, Most people have never heard of NFP, and many of those who have are pretty misinformed about what it is and how it works. NFP can seem like an intimidating combination of something fiercely countercultural and intensely intimate. As a result, inviting people to learn about natural family planning can be overwhelming. When we share information about NFP, Those of us who are married can often find great comfort and joy in the support of our spouses. The talks I co-present with my husband, Nick, are hands down always the best ones. As a married woman, it's a great source of strength to have my motherhood, both my physical motherhood and my spiritual motherhood, so intricately connected with Nick's physical and spiritual fatherhood. But today, we're going to focus on those of y'all who are priests and seminarians. In a unique way, those called to religious life are called to look to Mary's motherhood as the source of strength for your fatherhood. Your fatherhood is very specifically linked to Mary's motherhood. Not surprisingly, St. Pope John Paul II explained it best. Mary's relationship to the priesthood derives primarily from the fact of her motherhood. He continues, a special bond exists between the priestly ministry and Mary most holy. Talk about a source of strength. (laughs) I hope this little talk will help to equip and encourage y'all to invite the people in your communities to learn about and to live out natural family planning. In other words, think of this as a little parenting advice for you, how you might want to parent your flock with regard to their own parenthood. I know how heavy and confusing 
and lonely it can be to talk about natural family planning. When your fatherhood feels too heavy or too confusing or too lonely, remember Christ's words to you. Behold your mother. So let's jump into some specifics here. I've organized my thoughts for the rest of our time together into three main takeaways. Number one, smell like your sheep. Number two, one size does not fit all. And number three, be not afraid. Number one, smell like your sheep. NFP is the nitty-gritty of family life. Accompanying your flock along the journey is a great way to follow Pope Francis's evocative request. To smell like your sheep, you have to get out in the pasture. I actually grew up on a small sheep farm. Everyone in the family helps out, but my dad does the vast majority of the work. Sheep are funny animals. They tend to kind of stay in a herd, running away from things that startle them. They don't love strangers, and they tend to hesitantly move back when someone approaches. When my siblings and I walk to the barn, they're kind of indifferent. They know us, and we're probably going to give them some scraps from the kitchen or weeds from the garden. But when my dad walks to the barn, imagine, if you will, a stampede towards him. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. John 10, 27. Spend time with your flock. When it comes to NFP education, it can be particularly difficult to know how to move beyond just pointing people in the right direction. I think it has to do with your own knowledge of and investment in the resources. Here are a couple examples of gentle ways to be more specific without feeling like you're crossing any boundaries. It's one thing to suggest that a couple finds an NFP teacher It's another to say, hey, Julie Tomko is a friend of mine, and she teaches the Creighton model. I'll shoot you her email address in case you're interested in reaching out to her. Similarly, it's one thing to let a woman know there are doctors who specialize in NAPRO technology in Maryland, but it's another to say, Dr. Mary Ann Sora and Dr. Christy Pogue have an office on the campus of St. Agnes Hospital. Are you familiar with Wilkins Avenue? I also recommend keeping up to date with the articles and podcasts addressing NFP and related topics. Follow the work of groups like FACTS and Natural Womanhood. Be familiar with the latest research, such as the recent study showing the link between teen use of contraception and suicide risk. When you spend time with your sheep as they navigate these resources, you'll develop their smell organically. Back home, we accompany our sheep when they get sheared. Last Thursday, actually, the man came to shear off our sheep's wool to keep them cool during the summer. My mom was with them during the process, and she laughed when she told me that her hands smelled like sheep, even after she washed them several times. In case that grosses you out, wool smells and feels like a kind of lotion because of the high lanolin content. Lanolin, which is what produces the main scent of sheep, is what mothers use to nourish and heal their breasts when nursing. The theology of the body is all around us. Perhaps the most potent way to smell like your sheep is to become well-versed in natural fertility science. Natural fertility science powerfully illustrates the fact 
that the truths of science reflect and perfectly harmonize with the truths of theology. Of course, we can see this in all of nature, but there's something unique about seeing it in our own bodies, in our own persons. As so many before me have said, our bodies are the best and perhaps the most important tool for evangelization. Natural fertility science and fertility appreciation are essential to discovering who the human person is. And isn't that the root of so many of our struggles? We have no idea who we are, and we have no idea who God is. Learning about our bodies is a practical place to begin exploring these fundamental questions. This is what it means to meet people where they are. The deeper the biology we learn, the deeper the theology made accessible to us. When people with vocations to religious life are knowledgeable about fertility science, it's a particularly beautiful witness to the fact that no matter our vocation, all of our bodies work the same way. In this light, you don't just smell like sheep, you are sheep, and that's a marvelous thing. On behalf of all young people, and probably most older people too, I beg you, Please teach us that it is the fact that you have the exact same kind of body that we do that makes your spiritual fatherhood possible. In some ways, you can learn to smell like sheep, and in others, you don't need to learn how, because you already do. Lesson 2. One size does not fit all. This is important for us to remember both when we're working with individuals and when we're working with groups. In both scenarios, we have to keep in the back of our minds that different aspects of NFP attract different people. When you're talking to an individual, you have to do a little detective work. As you listen to someone, you'll often discover clues about what might be the most productive way to share this teaching with them or to address the concern they're raising. I'll tell y'all a quick story about two different women I met at the pregnancy center where I volunteer. Both are true stories, but of course I've changed their names. Let's call the first girl Kate. She came in one day for a pregnancy test, and it was negative. When tests come back negative, we try to use that opportunity to teach the women about their fertility. I was talking to Kate about fertility literacy, and I briefly outlined NFP for her. I told her that my husband and I use this tool. When I explained that when we've prayerfully discerned that we're avoiding pregnancy, we abstain for a specific part of my cycle, she was shocked. Whoa, he really loves you, were the exact words she said. When you're working with individuals or couples like Kate, abstinence language is actually very attractive. Talking about the relational aspects of NFP is a great place to begin. Now let's talk about Hannah. Hannah told me that physical touch is the way she needs to express her love. If I began with abstinence language with Hannah the way I did with Kate, Hannah would be freaked out. You might be interested or surprised to hear that. After our conversation, Hannah was excited to learn more about NFP. You see, Hannah's environmentally conscious. We talked about how a single eight-ounce steak from a non-implanted animal 
contains 3.5 nanograms of estrogen, while a single birth control pill contains 35,000 nanograms. Unless you're eating 10,000 steaks per day, changing the kind of meat you buy, it's not really going to make that much of a difference. She learned that our waters are so polluted from the birth control pill flushed through our bodies that scientists have discovered fish are changing gender. I've worked with other clients who are so tired of the awful side effects of contraception, but they have no idea they have any other choice. They're just doing what they think they're supposed to do. Offering them something new and seeing them feel hope is a gift. Listening for clues in what others say can help you with the more theoretical questions about NFP as well. Have you ever heard someone say, I just can't understand why the church doesn't allow birth control? I sure have. It's a good idea to begin by asking them what they mean by birth control, because the church might not be opposed to what they're thinking. If by birth control they simply mean the ability to responsibly space your children, then the church doesn't oppose this. She requires it. The confusion between the term birth control and contraception is likely due in part to the fact that the contraceptive pill is often called the birth control pill. Many people think that contraception simply refers to avoiding pregnancy. When you help clarify what they mean by birth control, you're then able to teach them that the church opposes contraception, which is rendering a fertile act infertile. It's often helpful to break down the word itself, contra, against. While we're on the subject, it's important to note that NFP advocates use the term artificial birth control to speak the language that people understand. Of course, NFP is not approved by the church just because it's natural. It's approved by the church because it's not contraception. But to women who are conscious about what they put in their bodies and how that affects our planet, expressing concerns about artificial birth control might get their attention in a way expressing concerns about birth control might not. When you get someone's attention, you can then begin a conversation. And this conversation could go so many ways. Maybe you're talking to someone who wants to strengthen their communication with their spouse. Maybe they're unsatisfied with how they managed their own fertility and are desperate to find a better path for their daughters who are quickly getting older. Maybe they want to break free from depression. Maybe they want to eliminate unnatural hormones from their diet. Maybe they want to lessen their environmental footprint. And we can't forget that for some couples, their only motivation is being obedient to the church and her teachings. We will accept all sorts of risks and dangers if we believe it is for the good of our families. Women will bear just about anything for those we love. This means that simply telling women that contraceptive drugs are dangerous is often not enough to encourage them to re-examine their choice to use it. We have to give them realistic options that address what they care about. Women don't choose contraception because they're trying to hurt their bodies or cause their families to suffer or because they want to harm the planet. Women choose contraception because they want to make responsible healthy and loving decisions about their bodies, families, and planet. These are noble, 
goals and important desires, and we can affirm them. The best part of talking to individuals is that you can tailor your responses in real time to the individual's reactions. The most challenging part of talking to an individual is that it's more intimate. You can't rest in the knowledge that people don't necessarily feel like you're talking directly to them. Working with a group or a community, on the other hand, presents a different set of benefits and challenges. You still have to keep in mind that different aspects of NFP attract different people. One size does not fit all. It can be really intimidating to write a presentation knowing that everyone is going to have different opinions about how you should say things. It makes sense that one of the most overwhelming thoughts for many priests is thinking that they have to write a comprehensive NFP homily that will somehow be well-received. A good parallel to this hypothetical NFP homily is the talk that parents think they need to have with their kids about sexuality. As Christopher West, the theology of the body expert, explains to parents who want to learn how to teach their children about sexuality, he explains that the talk isn't a healthy idea anyways. He contrasts the talk to a lifelong conversation about sexuality, beginning at conception, that creates an environment in which children's bodies and minds are cherished and nurtured and their natural curiosities are satisfied with healthy and age-appropriate truths. In a similar way, our sights shouldn't be set on the perfect NFP homily, but rather on creating an active and vibrant parish life in which teaching about NFP and the larger concept of fertility awareness or organic and fully integrated parts. That said, there are ways to use a homily to serve as a gentle and joyful platform on which to begin the conversation about NFP. Let's explore two common homily topics and explore how we could use them. Stewardship and the Trinity. The helpful thing about these topics is that you can go as deep as you gauge your congregation will be able to hear you go. First, stewardship. The good old time, talent, treasure chat we hear at least once a year. Stewardship is a wonderful opportunity to talk about responsible parenthood. Just as the church doesn't demand people donate a specific sum of money or number of hours, she doesn't demand people have a specific number of children. Contrary to common belief, even if not especially among Catholics, the church doesn't ask people to have as many children as they're biologically able to have, regardless of their ability to do so in a responsible manner. The key is prayerfully discerning what is the responsible manner appropriate for your own marriage and your own family. Every marriage and family is unique. Then you can explore with your congregation what does the church mean by a responsible manner. While the church doesn't define this, she does provide four criteria for couples to consider. Their physical, economic, psychological, and social well-being. The key that many couples neglect is discerning these criteria with an overall spirit of openness to life. It's an ongoing process, and a difficult one at that. Simka Fisher, who's a popular blogger and the author of The Sinner's Guide to NFP, wrote, 
Maybe this is why God designed women to be fertile each month rather than, say, quarterly. So we'd have to keep thinking and thinking about it, revisiting, revising, comparing our desires and needs against our current capabilities. Our challenge is to think about eternity, but to act in the now. You'll notice nothing we just said would be inappropriate for the children in the pews to hear. Okay, let's address the second homily topic, the Trinity. As y'all know, marriage is an icon of the Trinity. The three persons of the Trinity are identified by who they are in relation to each other. This truth stands in stark contrast to the me culture that naturally produces the self-identity disasters we all know too well. The Trinity illustrates the basic truths about love. Love is free, full, fruitful, and faithful. Consider asking your congregation to spend some of their prayer time that week reflecting on how their relationships reflect these truths about love. Is your love free? Is it total, fruitful, faithful? Or perhaps do you say to your spouse, I accept and love all of you, except that part, that whole fertility part. Instead of understanding and working in harmony with that part, let's just separate it out for now. So as you see, addressing NFP in a homily can be gentle, but it's also not the only way to begin the conversation. Here are some other concrete ways to fully integrate NFP teaching into the life of your parish. Bulletins and the announcement time at the end or beginning of Mass also provide a subtle venue for beginning to germinate this conversation. Here's a quick example. In your bulletin, you could just have a note. On Saturday, a fertility awareness instructor at a neighboring parish will be hosting a mother-daughter tea for families with middle and high school age daughters. Please call the office for more details. Easy enough. Your church narthex is a great place to load with resources. They're conversation starters. When you load your narthex with resources, you're sending an invitation. Some people might pick them up and never talk to you about them. And that's okay. One powerful resource to consider providing are copies of an examination of conscience that references contraception. This could be life-changing for some of your flock. At the risk of stepping way outside my place and addressing confessions, when you hear that someone's contracepting, maybe give them something they can take with them when they leave the confessional. We're incapable of sinning no more if we don't receive the tools to do so. Perhaps it's the name of an NFP teacher, or the title of a book or website you suggest they can consider perusing. I recommend Adam and Eve Before the Pill by Mary Eberstadt, Subverted by Sue Ellen Browder, and Anything Janet Smith Wrote. While I'm mentioning resources, Called to Give Life is a fantastic resource for clergy and parish leaders. So to recap, one size does not fit all. Keep diverse talking points and diverse resources in your back pocket. You'll know which ones to pull out when it's time. Finally, the third takeaway. Be not afraid. We must combat the pervasive, 
and fatal lie that all clergy have lost any ability to talk about sexual morality. The shattering sex abuse scandals have, to some extent, separated sheep from their shepherds. But as Father Daniel McCaffrey and Father Matthew Habiger have written, the clergy sex abuse scandals call for greater, not less, emphasis upon sexual morality. One of my dearest friends in the whole world is an agnostic. We have one of those rare friendships where we ask each other really big questions and can answer them with equally big answers. At the beginning of this month, we were passing by the Basilica on our way to grab lunch. She brought up her fury with the church in light of the abuse scandals and asked me what it's like to identify with that institution. I bluntly responded, The scandals upset me even more than they upset you. She answered, Oh, of course they do. That makes sense. No wonder you do what you do. Be not afraid. On a much lighter note, a common thing I've recently heard from fellow Catholics, especially those in marriage and family life ministry, is how they're afraid they aren't doing enough this year to take advantage of the fact that it's the 50th anniversary of Humana Vitae. There's almost a frenzied atmosphere. This is our only chance to talk about NFP without making our congregation too angry. While it's true that this landmark anniversary can be a helpful context in which to introduce new initiatives, I'd like to encourage us to see this not as a source of pressure, but simply as an exciting opportunity. Talking about contraception and NFP can be incredibly difficult. Like we said earlier, it's fiercely countercultural and intensely intimate. I wish I could tell you that the more conversations you have and the more richly these teachings become a part of your communities, the easier it will become. But I can't, because it never gets easier. But I will tell you this. It does get more joyful, and it does get more peaceful. NFP is the antidote to many of the struggles of our times. That's a pretty bold statement. NFP is the antidote to many of the struggles of our times? By inviting people to participate in the beautiful stories their bodies tell, we will build that culture of life and of love that we all so deeply yearn for. Be not afraid. I haven't done a study, but I'd venture to guess that a vast majority of parishes don't have anything about NFP until people get to marriage prep. That is, those that even include NFP in their pre-cana programs at all. Three weeks ago, my husband and I presented the NFP portion of a pre-cana program. 82% of them had lived together for years often many, many years. Only one person in the entire group said he was having a Catholic wedding because he believed it was the right thing to do. Not a single one of the people attending that class attends Mass. Yes, marriage prep is far too late to introduce people to NFP. But that doesn't mean it shouldn't be an emphasized part of marriage prep. It's imperative that parishes begin to make NFP education a requirement for couples preparing for marriage. Openness to life is what couples are vowing. 
They need to know what that means and how to make it a reality in their lives. Who teaches your marriage prep program really matters. Too often I hear that the sponsor couples and engaged encounter leaders are not on board with NFP. This is unacceptable. Yes, it will be difficult to make these kinds of personnel changes, and I'm not going to pretend to know how to advise you to go about doing this. I just have the easy job of using strong language about how important it is that you do so. Also, as a final note, please make sure your marriage prep leaders choose materials that are modern, relevant, and informative. Many times, the well-intentioned brochures covered with people sporting 80s-style haircuts do more harm than good. Not everyone is going to embrace this teaching, but we never want to prevent people from having the opportunity to do so. And I don't need to tell you that, unfortunately, that's still too often the case. Women, couples, doctors, all across the nation are still saying, Why haven't I heard about this before? Do you think there's anyone in our nation over the age of, say, 15, probably younger, who could honestly say they've never heard about condoms or the pill? Be not afraid. So what age is it appropriate to begin to teach people about NFP? Do I believe our confirmation programs in parishes and family life classes in parish schools should teach students about fertility because they should learn how to prayerfully avoid or achieve pregnancy? Of course not! NFP is just a tool. It's a collection of methods couples can use to avoid or achieve pregnancy. But it's part of a much larger concept called fertility awareness. And this people need at a much younger age. Fertility awareness is the relationship we can have with our bodies when we know how they work, respect how they work, and don't try to manipulate them or defeat them. Then, when we formed this relationship with ourselves, we can use it to form relationships with others. Young women need to learn about fertility charting because they need to learn about how their bodies work. They likely aren't learning this from their parents and they certainly aren't learning about it in their sexual education classes in school. These classes and most conversations about puberty are basically just about menstruation. It's time we learned about the rest of our cycles as well. When a young girl learns to track her cycle, she's empowered to take better care of herself. She will no longer have to worry about the fear of not knowing when to expect her period. She will understand why she feels less in control of her emotions at certain times. She won't worry that her cervical mucus is the sign of an infection. This knowledge can even help heal eating disorders. This is true empowerment. When we invite people, young and old alike, to the fertility awareness movement, we're telling them their bodies were not made incorrectly. We're telling them that their natural fertility is not something to suppress or to be afraid of. We're telling them that their bodies are an inseparable part of who they are. Be not afraid. It's no secret that confirmation age students need all the support they can get in developing a healthy appreciation for and positive image of their bodies. 
Ascension Presents produced a phenomenal theology of the body program for high schoolers and it has an entire section about NFP. I highly recommend it. I'm also excited to tell y'all about Teen Star. Teen Star is a revolutionary fertility literacy program with curricula for middle, high school, and college-age students. It's successful in 27 countries around the world. I taught a version of this program to the young adult group at Immaculate Conception, and three of the students told me that the program radically changed their lives. Never underestimate the potential of your young adult groups. Often they will be the ones to actively seek out opportunities to learn about fertility and NFP. As you know, teaching parents is equally important. We often have to be exponentially gentle when teaching parents. They've lived a lot longer. There are a lot of more tender places in their hearts. A model that many parishes have implemented is a mother-daughter tea, where an NFP teacher gives an age-appropriate presentation about fertility science, where the mothers can learn alongside their daughters. To wrap up, I'd like to reflect a little bit on separation. The most important issues facing us today all stem from separation. We've separated our fertility from our health, our sexuality from our personhood, and our beliefs from our public lives. We've separated children from families and the elderly from community. We've not only separated women from men, but women from one another, usually over politics, religion, culture, background, or lifestyle. All of this separation leaves us broken and confused, both as individuals and as a collective. But fortunately, there is hope, for every single person desires wholeness. We may not be able to accurately identify this desire, and we might not yet understand how to satisfy it, but it is written into our very being. As a result, no matter how long it may take, we can only succeed in our mission to restore each person, and thus our culture, to wholeness. NFP is all about restoring and cherishing wholeness, but so many people are so far away from this truth. Particularly for you priests and seminarians out there, this is a burden of your fatherhood. Fatherhood is all about giving, offering yourself, protecting your flock. It's a tall order, but you are empowered to succeed, thanks to a little bit of study and a whole lot of grace. This brings us to the end. I hope that you've received some encouragement and maybe even some inspiration. But most importantly, I pray you don't feel alone as you go out and invite others to learn about and live out natural family planning. For more information about Molly Daly and the Body Language Project or natural family planning, visit www.archbalt.org backslash HV50. This has been a production of the Archdiocese of Baltimore.